When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Wrestling Inc. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, back with a brand new episode of The Winkly, and we've got a big one for you here today. And uh, as I try to do each week, I've got a little sound bit that I recorded the morning of just before I released with a bit of news that we didn't get to include in our discussion this week. And that bit of news is, of course, that Hulk Hogan, the immortal one, the returning WWE Hall of Famer, is now set to host Crown Jewel via a statement that was sent to Wrestling Inc., from the WWE, so you're going to hear all kinds of crown jewel conversation today on the Winkly. Not only that, are you, you're also going to get some great interviews. On the show today, we're chatting with WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather. We've also got Taya Valkyrie. We've got Gilberg being interviewed by the man who's going to be my co-host, the man who is joining me right now. He is, of course, Andy Malnoski. It's nice to meet you. Uh, finally, uh, over the I guess airwave here of uh, a phone, it's it's always great to meet someone who has the the pride and the passion for the industry and the love for it because uh, there's no connection like wrestling, you know, there really isn't. Um, you know, I think a lot of people out there they they kind of you know whether it's the mainstream media or whether it's uh, people who don't really understand it, they they really truly won't get it unless they're involved, you know, and. Um, I mean, I see the work you're doing. It's you've been an outstanding addition, and uh, I saw my buddy Josh Ganian over the weekend. We were talking about you and how you're putting in the work, and and uh, we appreciate it, man. Thank you. Well, I'm just gonna go ahead and say we've started recording because you just said so many nice things about me, Andy. So thank you. <laughs> uh, hey, no problem. Well, Andy Malnoski has obviously joined me here on the call today. Uh, Andy, we're gonna we've got we're short on time anyway, so yeah, we're just gonna roll with it here. Uh, well, I'm, right. I'm impressed with you, too, for all the same reasons, because you're out in the field. You're talking to Mick Foley, Tommy Dreamer. Of course, we're going to play the audio from your Gilbert interview here later in the show. But I couldn't yes. ag- I couldn't agree more, my friend. It is so nice to be out in the field, meeting those wrestlers, making those connections. I think it texturizes our audio here. Uh, we had Glenn Rubenstein on the Wink podcast earlier. He was at Evolution. Helps the insight, mm-hmm. you know. It's what it's all about, man. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to, to be on here. And uh, you know, WrestlingInc.com has been strong for for 20 years plus now. And you know, it's one of the top sites out there for a reason. And uh, you know, it's all the work that you guys put in. And yeah, I'm just proud to be a part of it. It's actually been about a year now since I've you know traveled around the Northeast and, and getting interviews. And uh, it really helps for me. Um, you know, being a, um, a sports director at the NBC affiliate in upstate New York and Elmira, uh, where I kind of could use, you know, the best of both worlds. And, uh, you know, this wrestling event that was here, you had Gilbert there, big time wrestling, uh, Mick Foley, Tommy Dreamer, Tony Atlas, so many great legends. And that's what it's all about. You're just paying it forward. And, and, and there's nothing like pro wrestling and sports entertainment. And uh, I'm just grateful to be here, Matt. Thanks for thanks for having me. No problem. You got to hang out with Tony Atlas. You know what Tony Atlas likes, right? Foot massages. Did you offer him a foot massage? <laughs> yeah, I, I stayed away from that one. Uh, oh. <laughs> 
if you I stayed away from that, maybe he laughed. I don't know his laugh, but <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, if you wanna if you wanna win over Tony Atlas, maybe be like, hey, I brought some lotion, foot massages, you know? I don't know. <laughs> Rub those bunions, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to it here, Andy. I've enjoyed jo- chatting with you. Obviously, you, you put over your credentials a little bit here at the top. We don't need to dwell too long. You're very well connected. You're experienced. You know enough that this crown jewel decision WWE has decided mm-hmm. on. Not an easy decision. I'm going to run through real quick what the past week of news has looked like uh, out of crown jewel, and then we'll, we'll talk about it here. Uh, at crown jewel, obviously, the decision was made at the uh, third quarter uh, conference call last week. We are moving ahead with that. Couple updates: the uh, reports from Robbie Fox at Barstool Sports that John Cena and Daniel Bryan are uh, we're going to be out. Lo and behold, very true. Uh, John Cena was replaced by Bobby Lashley uh, on Raw, kind of uh, at random. Uh, Daniel Bryan they put a little bit more thought into it, gave him his match with AJ Styles. Samoa Joe attacked him afterwards, and now it's going to be uh, Joe versus AJ Styles at Crown Jewel for the title. Wrestling Observer, by the way, a week ago was reporting that. Joe was injured, so I don't know, uh, you know, if he's working through something right now. Uh, also, of course, John Oliver stayed on the attack. Another week of uh, attacks from John Oliver. Uh, on SmackDown, Shane McMahon announced that uh, the finalist from Team SmackDown to make it to the, the finals of this World Cup thing, if they lose to a Raw superstar, they're going to be fired. And last but not least here in Crown Jewel News, uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet reporting that Renee Young has been added to the Crown Jewel announced team. That is, I mean... I put wow. it I put it together in like 45 seconds Andy but that's a whirlwind of headlines there for one thing. Yeah, and you were telling me uh yesterday about hey, you know, we always keep things open, you know, cuz day to day by hour by hour minute by minute, you know, something can change or something can break and uh you know, it's certainly a busy busy time if you're a wrestling fan. It really it's the best time. You know, I'm actually it's better to be busy than not. You always hear that adage and um you know, certainly it's it's going to be one of the busiest weekends of the year. Yeah, I mean, are you are you going to be tuning in, Andy? Are you going to be watching this one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely be having it on, uh, you know, on the network and things like that. You know, it's really a tough situation. You know, I've, I've actually had the opportunity to to work not just in, in sports, you know, but also public relations. And it you know, took a lot of coursework with that. And for WWE, this crown jewel event, I mean, the truth of the matter is it's really it's almost a it's a it's almost a lose lose situation when it comes to you know criticism uh, because you know it's like you're damned if you do damned if you don't uh, you know because for them you know they they have that big contract with Saudi Arabia uh, you'd never want to put money over safety or or anything like that but you know you can all from a business standpoint you know the the shrewd business people out there truly do understand and you know kind of if you look back to you know, SmackDown and, you know, the 9-11 SmackDown would have when it happened after that and everyone was all worried about things happening. And the WWE and, and Vince McMahon has always been, you know, very patriotic in, in saying, you know, we're Americans. Yes, we're going to Saudi Arabia, but, you know, we're not going to let anyone take away our freedoms from performing and doing the things we want to do for the people of Saudi Arabia. And they always try to set examples out there. And, you know, I, I to me, I, I think that, you know, it's a tough situation any way you look at it. Um, you know, John Cena pulling out, uh, you know, he's obviously at a point of his career now, too, where he doesn't necessarily need the wrestling as much, uh, contrary to when, you know, him and The Rock feuded. It was always kind of interesting as, as I see that now. So it's a it's a very tough situation. And they approached it uh, and they, they heard from all facets, you know, from the political landscape, from you know, there are people within. Uh, so they, they came to the best decision they possibly could. 
And um, unfortunately, those decisions aren't going to be the most popular. Uh, you know, I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. And, you know, we're already hearing people speak out. There was a, you know, I say moment to moment here, this story. Randy Orton was on TMZ today. He was taking a shot at John Cena. He said, does this guy even wrestle anymore? Uh, I'm, wonder- <laughs> I'm wondering, how do you think WWE handles Daniel Bryan and John Cena after this? Obviously, they're commodities, but, you know, this is a team sport and the coach called the play and the players didn't want to do the play in this situation. Yeah. You know, and that's once again, too, I mean, I think. You, in anything you do in life, you know, whether it's uh, the WWE, a uh, high rank executive or, you know, a, a really big player on a football team. Um, you know, you remember that show Playmakers uh, on ESPN years ago? Uh, I think about that where, you know, certain stars, you know, your top tier guys. Yeah, they, they, they are held to a different standard. And does that set a bad example for the rest of the roster? Uh, perhaps, but you know John Cena and Daniel Bryan, uh, they not going. Um, I don't think it's going to affect the draw, so to speak. I believe they they sold it out, right? I believe. Uh, the the tickets were sold. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I mean, so it's it's really, you know, I think the Saudi Arabian fan base, you know, is they just love seeing the show yeah. and. You know, John Cena not being, um, you know, a full-time guy anymore. You know, I think it's, you know, the draw would still be there for him, the the novelty of him being in it. But at the same time, I don't think it's necessarily going to make or break the entire show. You've got, I mean, you know, Kane and the Undertaker teaming up versus Degeneration X is, you know, for me being a, a classical old-school fan, you know, for the heyday of the 80s and the Attitude Era and things like that, like, I mean, that is that's something if you're a true fan, you're going to want to see. And uh, I think they've been smart in booking that. This is kind of like a nightmare for wrestling fans. Right. I mean, because you you, you're right. (laughs) You're right. There are things to be excited about here. DX is coming back here. You know, at one point you were going to get AJ Daniel Bryan. This is this uh, World Cup thing. This tournament actually, I bet it's probably going to be pretty good. But it's like uh, it's like taking a delicious steak and rubbing a. mayonnaise all over it you know like... <laughs> <laughs> makes it bad you know come on yeah you know? unless you love mayo i don't know maybe somebody would like that i'm not sure but uh that's the <laughs> metaphor i'm running with here do you think that renee going and doing announcing commentary does anything to, to stymie the pr backlash here um no i don't think so uh because i mean you know it's interesting uh when renee young began on monday night raw full-time replacing john coachman um, you know, the, the reception was, was generally very strong and over time, you know, people are like, oh, you know, they're, they're saying these certain things about her and keep in mind guys like Michael Cole, Jim Ross, I mean, they have so many years uh, of experience in that role that they're in. I mean, Jim Ross, before he got the WCW working with, you know, Bill Watts's promotion for, for a long time, pu- putting shows on locally of his own, right. you know, for the sport. So in the industry, so uh, Michael Cole, 20 years. I mean, these guys, they're seasoned vets. So to compare, you know, a, a Renee Young and say, oh, you know, she's not there. And, and, and to compare a Beth Phoenix, it, it really is, you know, apples and oranges because over time you become great with experience. Um, I, I just I guess it's just the idea of a woman getting to participate in the show, which was kind of a sticking point. You know, that and the whole, you know, murdering a journalist thing were sticking points here for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, 
you know, and above all else, beyond wrestling, uh, beyond sports entertainment, beyond sports or just simply events, you know, the, the, the tragedy that happened with the death of the journalist over there, uh, you know, that's that's the saddest thing. And, you know, my certainly my thoughts and prayers are you know, with everybody involved uh, with that situation, because uh, someone that certainly never needs to go to that level, uh, no matter what part of the world you're in. And um, so, I, you know, I can understand uh, how sensitive this this show is. And uh, but at the same time, you know, the WWE, you know, I have dealt with contracts. I mean, it, it sometimes it's really tough to to change those. Um, you know, the the clauses involved and, and a lot of the details we don't know specifically about that contract, uh, other than the fact that they did sign a long term deal. So, uh, you know, time will tell. I think the event's going to be a good event. I think they're going to want to do everything they can instead of being like, oh, let's just get out of here. Um, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, other than that, other than the journalist, obviously, uh, that's unfortunate, but, uh, Renee Young going over there is, um, you know, what an opportunity for her to, to grow her fan base as well. Um, uh, not just the, you know, from the announcing standpoint, but from a character standpoint. And uh, I know that, um, you know, it's a different audience, um, you know, just like England and Europe, it's such a different audience that the thirst and the, the desire to have, the WWE there is um, it's very special. All right. Well, we are going to come back here at the end of the show. We're going to preview the full crown jewel card um, and we're going to be back here in just a moment chatting more news from the week, but we're going to cut now to our first segment of the show. Uh, other than news, of course, uh, every week we check in with our own Jesse Collins from wrestling Inc. Uh, he writes the views from the turnbuckle column that comes out every Friday. This past Friday, he wrote about his expectations uh, for Evolution and the look at the women's evolution going into the pay-per-view. We're going to talk about uh, with Jesse about how, what he thought expectations compared to reality and a lot more about Evolution right now. And we'll be back on the other side with more with me and Andy. <laughs> Time for another edition of the Views from the Turnbuckle Audio Edition with our own Jesse Collings here. And uh, for those of you that checked out this past Friday, Jesse pinned the column Views from the Turnbuckle, How Far Women's Wrestling Has Come in WWE where it goes from here. Jesse, thank you very much for taking the time to come back on the show this week. Thanks, Nick. Great to be back. So um, this is kind of the evolution block of the show. Um, I thought it was interesting because I went back and reread your piece um, following evolution to do this segment, and I thought it was a good chance for me to reflect on the expectations for evolution uh, as opposed to what we got at evolution. So I'll start there. Do you think that evolution delivered on what expectations were there? Oh, yeah, I think Evolution was a, a really good show, especially by, you know, WWE standards. I think kind of going into Evolution, there was this thought that I had heard that they replaced what would normally be just kind of a boring B pay-per-view with something that was legitimately special and something that would have a different level of interest than if they just had Hell in a Cell or TLC or whatever pay-per-view they wanted to have in October. That would be just kind of a B-level pay-per-view. So in that regard, I thought it, it did really well. Is this was a very different show. It did get a lot of headlines across the country with mainstream media covering it. And it was a really good show. I would say it's maybe the best main roster show that WWE has had this year. Oh, 100% with you. I just wanted to ask if it delivered on your expectations because it, it did on mine. And even the way you wrote about it, uh, last week in Views from the Turnbuckle, you know, it did seem like expectations were, I, I hate to say low, because I think people thought this was going to be a good show, but the momentum was not there. They were not promoting the show like a big show, I feel like. 
Well, I think the crowd helped a lot. The crowd, right from the get-go, if you watch the Trish Stratus and Lita versus Mickey James and Alicia Fox match, the crowd right from the get-go was really into the show. And that was a really good sign because I think part of the problem was the crowd might not be into it, particularly stuff like the Mae Young Classic or the NXT women's match where maybe the you know the mainstream audience not just the hardcore fans wouldn't really know who they're watching but the crowd was really passionate and they wanted to see a great wrestling show and that did that went a long way for a show that maybe didn't have a ton of hype or momentum i thought i thought actually that the nikki bella ronda rousey match and the uh charlotte versus becky lynch match had a lot of momentum and had a pretty solid storyline build maybe the rest of the matches really didn't but overall i thought the crowd really helped them get that over and the crowd was you know the crowd wanted to see a really good show and when the crowd comes in with that attitude as opposed to with the attitude of oh we we're gonna hate this show but we're going anyway because we already bought our tickets in advance or something like that like you see at some of the wwe shows then it's a totally different story but i think the crowd really helped it and i thought wwe this was a really important show for them and i think when w when something really is important for wwe they can be trusted more more so than on a typical basis where you know we constantly talk about how WWE is going to screw this up. We can't trust WWE to book this correctly. But when something's like important like this, I think WWE is going to take as much going to take the appropriate amount of care into booking the show, into laying out all the matches, into giving the fans what they want to see, and make sure that something that that's really this important to them actually is very successful in a quality show. It's a little messed up to me that they've got this kind of Pavlovian thing going with their audience now that as I'm thinking about it as you're describing it, it's almost like when the fans kind of know that WWE is not totally investing in something that they care about. You know, I think about Daniel Bryan and now I think about the women's division. It, it I think that's why they always over deliver, you know, I, right. I, and it's weird, there's, you know, yeah, there's a degree there where, you know, historically, wrestling fans cheer for the guy they want to see win the match or the woman they want to see win the match. But now it's almost like people cheer because it's not a signal, oh, we really support this guy. We want him to win a match. It's we really want WWE to push him and really want WWE to take this person seriously. And that's kind of who gets the biggest pops these days is when WWE fans have the opportunity to actually feel like say, hey, we really support this guy. Do something with him. Put put them in big matches then that's what really gets the big fan reaction. It's not necessarily, oh, that was a big win for this person. Yeah. Well, you talk also at the top of your piece last week, uh, obviously about how this kind of feels or is uh, a token from WWE to try to offset from the backlash they got from Crown Jewel. Uh, they not only got to do Evolution, but since your article's written, they've now, it sounds like, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet, added Renee Young to the broadcast booth at, at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia. Uh, what's your take on that? Are they doing, I mean, I hate to even ask the question. Are they doing enough to offset the backlash? I feel like the answer to that is no, but I don't know. What is, what is your take on that? I mean, is Renee Young going to be like at the show? Is she going to be, uh, you know, at the table, at the broadcast booth, at the table calling the show? Or is she going to be, you know, maybe doing a pre-tape thing or maybe doing, I don't know. Is she traveling with, with WWE? The report, the report says that she's going to be traveling with WWE to be there. And I expect her to be ringside or wherever the regular commentary table is. And, you know, I know it sounds a little crazy, but I do think that there was some negotiating here with WWE and the Saudi Royals about how to, you know, tamper down the backlash and, you know, by doing the the radical step of adding a woman in this capacity may, may help with that. I mean, it's better than nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, Obviously. Yeah. I don't think it's going to offset the significant problems with, with 
crown jewel for a variety of different reasons. But I think, yeah, it's, it's a step in the positive direction that they are having a woman on the show. But of course, you know, Saudi Arabia does have women's athletics. Saudi, you know, uh, Cir- uh, Russian circus was was in Saudi Arabia as part of kind of like the same kind of tourism or, or program that is part of Saudi Arabia 2030, bringing in these Western acts to for, for entertainment purposes. Women have performed on those kind of shows. So there is like a pathway here for WWE to have women on the show. It's just a matter, I guess, of 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 pulling the right strings and, and doing the right negotiation. So, yeah, I mean, it's something. Does it offset it? I, I mean, obviously, obviously not. There's way bigger issues right now than the lack of women on the show for Crown Jewel. Yeah, I feel like it's a silly conversation to have. I mean, I get why they did it. It's an attempt. Well, they can do it so they can all point and say, oh, well, we got a woman on the broadcast, and last time there wasn't a woman on the broadcast, so we're, you know, we're moving forward, which is, yeah, you know, technically something true that they can say, but do we, do, I don't feel super confident that Renee Young being on a broadcast is a sign that eventually, you know, that there's going to be a headlining women's match at the next Saudi Arabia show. Uh, kind of circling back here on the on the women's division, you also write uh, in the piece about the contributions of Sarah Amato, uh, aka Sarah Sarah Del Rey, right? Not Sarah Del Rey. No, did I get yeah, that right? Yeah, Sarah Del Rey. Man, is this like a singer that's got the same name? Lana Del Rey. <laughs> yes, Lana Del Rey. Oh, I love Lana Del Rey. I always think I'm going to get it messed up. Sarah Del Rey. Sarah Amato is a real name. Talk to me a little bit about how Sarah Amato has helped to kind of scope or and frame the current slate of women's. Uh, women's wrestling in yeah, WWE. it's funny right after i i wrote that um there was a story up on wrestling inc that said i think it was stephanie mcmahon but i might be wrong but it's like you know or, or wwe credits the the real like the the secret behind wwe's women's revolution or, or the unsung hero and it was sarah amato and i think we did see a big change in in women's wrestling in wwe once sarah amato was signed and i think the the biggest thing is that for the first time, I think they had a woman's wrestling trainer, you know, at the performance center training the the, the new recruits and the people that WWE signed from the independents. And I felt like that was a really important step because, you know, women can do the same stuff men can do in the ring. But I think it helps to have a woman, a veteran woman's wrestler who got over on the independent scene based on her own skills there to teach women. I think it's just logical that, uh, you know, a, a accomplished female wrestler would be better at training women than an, an equally accomplished male wrestler to a degree. It all depends on the teacher, of course. Right. But I think that that was a huge step was getting a real professional in to, to, to let the woman know this is what you need to do to have a good match. This is how you get over. This is what, you know, how a woman's match is structured. It just helps. It's a huge boost. And I think it's no surprise that once WWE made that investment, you started seeing much better matches in the women's division. Cause frankly, you know, WWE, all the women of the past that WWE signed, they were all trained by WWE or they were trained by OVW or whoever WWE's development program was at the time. And the fact was that they, a lot of them were not very good wrestlers and, the opposite now is true is that it seems like a lot of the people that WWE trains to, you know, end up being really good wrestlers. Someone like Charlotte might not be as good if she didn't have a, someone like Sarah Amato teaching her. Yeah. A hundred percent on that one. And it, you know, it's, I'm glad you brought her up in that piece because I couldn't agree more with you. If you uh, go back and you look at the timeline from when she was hired to where we are now, uh, a lot of big uh, steps forward for the women's division in that time. Uh, and on that note, what are, what do you think is the future of the women's division, Jesse? I mean, do you, do you think we're going to see uh, more of these men's stipulation matches? Do you think we're going to see tag titles? Do you think we're going to see the women get their own show? What direction do you feel like the division is moving? 
Honestly, it's hard to say because I feel like all of those things you mentioned, Nick, are on the table. I think they could theoretically get their own show. And, they, they, you know, Stephanie McMahon said tag titles are coming sooner than you think. I think the tag titles are coming soon. I don't know how uh, good of an idea that is, but it is something that I think is definitely going to happen in in the women's division. I think the best thing for the women's division is just a greater presence on, on Raw, you know. Women's wrestling in WWE is much more prevalent on the programming than it was five years ago. And maybe in the next five years, it will be much more prevalent than it is now. It'll be interesting to see how they do. I I assume they're going to do another evolution show or they're going to do another all women's pay-per-view. It makes too much sense. But one thing to watch out for was that this show was not super successful as a gate attraction. They did sell out, but that was due largely to a lot of scalpers and the secondary ticket prices, uh, for this show were something they were like five or six bucks on the secondary market, which in the New York market, WWE shows never get even house shows. So it'll be interesting to see how big of a scale, like, I don't know if they'll run it in New York again. I don't know if they'll run a building as big as Nassau Coliseum, just because the attendance really wasn't, it was technically sold out, but the attendance wasn't great. The crowd was loud, which was fine. So I I think it's hard to say if they're going to, how, what another evolution show is going to look like. But I think overall, more women's matches on Raw and SmackDown, more women's promo time, more time to tell stories and get people involved in storylines, not just six, you know, six woman tag matches and multi-man matches and all that kind of stuff. I think just more time and, you know, women being focused on just as much as the top male stars. And I think that is logically what the future holds for women's wrestling is it to be treated exactly like men's wrestling from an important standpoint. Yeah, I agree. I just, I don't know. I don't see them going in the direction of a, a, a show. I think the tag titles makes a lot of sense. They've already started pairing women off. I think Lita and Trish would be wonderful first champs or, you know, lose the titles, whatever. But their own show, I don't, I mean, it doesn't, it's not really working for the cruiserweights. It hasn't really resonated people going out of the way for just that niche. I, yeah, I, I agree with that aspect in the sense that, like, if you're going to, like, oh, you want true equality? Well, give them their own show, and they'll have all the time in the world. Well, the two Cruiserweights have their own show, and they're not over, and they feel like this distant part of the roster as opposed to the women now who feel like part of the main roster. I don't think their own show is the right idea, but there's a lot of money right now in producing wrestling sh- in WWE producing wrestling shows and signing TV contracts. So if they could get, like, a, a Wednesday or a Thursday night show – uh, you know, maybe it's with E, maybe it's with another network and they can get a, 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 you know, a good amount of money for it. I think that is something that they will pursue because that's where their revenue is, is in television, is producing television shows. And if they can get money for another television show, then that's an option for them. But I agree that they won't look as, um, as like true equals being kind of relegated on their own show. I'll, I'll be honest. I wouldn't watch as much women's wrestling in WWE if the women were not on Raw and SmackDown. I think that's fair to yeah. say for, for most people. Man, and, you know, I hadn't even thought about it, but you're so right, man. Like, if they got an hour on E before or after Total Bellas or Total Divas, whatever they're on, that would work. It would absolutely work. I don't know how it doesn't. You know, yeah, and you would be able to see the reason I don't really want them. I'm not like super gung ho on the tag team titles. Is I just think they have too many titles in general, and they can't all be defended on the same pay per view, and a lot of them feel kind of meaningless. So it's not like I have this great hatred for women's tag team wrestling. It's just that I don't feel like they'd have the time to properly build feuds around those titles. But if they had their own show, they would have all that time. So that's a strength for for them having their own show is that you could have, you know, tag titles, a secondary title and the main title and have plenty of time to tell those stories. 
Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Jesse, thank you very much uh, for another look uh, at your most recent views from the Turnbuckle column. Uh, of course, it's Friday. You're going to be putting out a new column. What are you setting your sights on? What are you going to be chatting about this Friday? I'm actually going to be writing about Kota Abushi, and I'm going to talk about kind of his contract situation. He's famously, you know, kind of refused to sign a contract first, you know, with New Japan and then with WWE and then obviously with New Japan. And I'm going to kind of talk about how that might have affected his career and affect his career moving forward as a guy who's as talented as anybody in the industry, but maybe will never get that top guy push because he refuses to sign a contract. And I'm also going to have a, you know, a review of evolution, kind of give my, my thoughts match by match as well. All right, guys. Well, there it is. Go out, research your Kota Ibushi, be informed next week. That's what we're chatting about. Jesse, where can people go find you online to follow you in your many adventures? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jesse Collins. That's at J E S S E C O L L I N G S. All right, well, we just chatted Evolution, but i got to get your thoughts. Of course, Andy, real quickly, chime in here. Uh, huge pay-per-view. Uh, did it blow you out of the water like it's been blowing so many others out of the water? You know, it did. Uh, I, you know, I watched it with uh, with Josh Gondian, um, you know, Heel Doors uh, on Twitter and WrestleInc.com as well. Uh, just great work there. Uh, we watched the event, and honestly, like, I, I just love the desire that they had. I love the, the flow of the show. Everybody was going for broke. And... In many cases, you know, that's really the only way to go when you get that opportunity. You know, you, what's that old saying? You only get uh, one shot to make a first impression. Uh, so, you know, if, if someone's actually giving that a shot that's not really into the whole, oh, you know, uh, women's wrestling, uh, they they were certainly blown away. Uh, certainly the the Charlotte Flair match with, with Becky Lynch was just was incredible. And, you know, it made me proud to be a wrestling fan, honestly, because – you know, that's what you, you want to see for, for something so new, being the first time, hey, they're like, hey, you know, we can do this, you know. And, yeah, I work in the TV industry, um, you know, sports director here up here in NBC in Elmira. And, you know, we work with all walks of life, you know, whether it's Asian, you know, Middle Eastern, you know, uh, you name it, Latin. Um, the, you know, we work with all walks of life. And I, I tell people all the time, I don't see race, I don't see color. You're either good or you're not. And, and certainly don't see gender in this case either. And, you know, the, these ladies, if they can, if they can go, they can go. And they certainly can. And uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly, man. It was, it was pretty awesome, actually. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And I, on the note of just saying, you know, I don't see, I don't see gender. I don't see color. I agree. This was just a top to bottom, very good wrestling pay-per-view. A lot of good action, a lot of great emotion. Uh, highlights from the show, that opening tag bout, uh, with Mickey teaming with uh, Alicia Fox with yeah. uh, Alexa Bless at ringside. People were buzzing so hard right out of that, Trish and Lita. According to PWInsider.com, the buzz is so strong. WWE already talking about having those two back in a tag team at WrestleMania 35. What do you think of keeping these two women together as a tag team, Andy? You know, I think sometimes, you know, there's a lot more options with tag team wrestling. Uh, I think you could, you know, someone who's maybe not, up to the level they, they once were, you can kind of, you know, buffer off that teammate. You know, I was actually an amateur wrestler for a long time, and we'd always talk about the different sports out there where, you know, in football, 11 is one, right, 11, 11 players on the team. Uh, you have a bad game, you can kind of hide behind your team a little bit, you know, if, you, if you're not up to par. So a tag team wrestler, you know, can have that option. And there's also, there's a lot more teamwork that can be involved. Um you know, Mickey James is certainly one of a kind. I think it's fantastic that she's been back for all this time. Her and her and uh, you know Alexa Bliss, the the uh, Five Feet of Fury, 
you know, seeing them on Raw has, has been entertaining uh, together because um, remember a while ago they were they were feuding, you know. So uh, it, it's crazy to see how that's all come full circle. And uh, you know, I interviewed uh, Mickey James a few years ago uh, out here at a Legends of Wrestling event in Elmira, and uh, she was there um, with I believe it's her husband now. I think they were engaged at the time, and uh, their baby was right there with them in the locker room, you know. So it just goes to show you how much how much grit and drive and will there are, you know, there really is for some of these performers. And, uh, you know, I always remember that about, about Mickey, you know, and she was the nicest person and then came right now, went right into character during the interview and, you know, went for broke. Uh, but yeah, you know, just, uh, I think them being together is going to be, going to be exciting. It's going to be unique. And, and, uh, there's definitely only a handful of performers from the, the older days, you know, from those pre, I guess, you know, evolution days that we call it now um who can really still go and uh a lot of people you know beth phoenix you know there on sunday uh i know beth very well uh she's a she's a hard worker wwe hall of famer uh, all that kind of stuff and people wonder when she might get back in the ring if, if ever so you know you just never know yeah well i mean i would love to see trish and lita make some appearances especially if they're going to be uh trying to launch this women's tag team division they'd obviously be great first champs or victims for a great uh, women's tag team, uh, certainly to help put them on the map. So I'm all about it. I know that it, they'd be great in singles competition as well, but keeping them as a tag is fine. Uh, of course, the two other big uh, names that were, people were buzzing about coming out of uh, Evolution, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, the current champions. It's been announced for Survivor Series. It's going to be a champ versus champ match. Uh, I, don't yeah. know if you, I don't know if you caught SmackDown. I watched Becky last night on SmackDown Live, and I was talking a little bit about this earlier uh, on a different podcast, but she seemed a little shaken to me. This was the first time I think that she'd been put in an environment. I mean, obviously with Charlotte, you've got somebody there that knows her so well, knows how to play to her strengths, make her look really good. It's a different environment here with Ronda, and I think that she was maybe, I, I don't know, a little surprised that the crowd was chaining We Want Ronda considering the long spat of uh, pops that Becky's been getting over the last couple months. Yeah, you know, it. it's always unique when you see a performer – male or female or manager or, or, or what have you get put in a new circumstance or maybe a circumstance that they're not necessarily used to. And I think Becky Lynch has handled everything with grace, uh, dignity and honor. And it just really, you know, going to a point where she's challenging herself. And uh, yeah, I think that maybe last night, maybe a little shaken a little bit, but you know, if anyone's going to bounce back, it's going to be her based on, you know, how, you know, things have just amplified for her, uh, in the past, you know, past year or so. And, you know, the feud between Charlotte, I mean, that was, that was gold. And, uh, you know, SmackDown 1000, she came out and, you know, talking about Edge and just said, hey, you know, don't hurt your neck on the way through the ropes, you know. And it was, um, you just see this, you see this change and this evolution of a performer that, you know, as a little bit older now, but when you're a kid, you don't necessarily see as much. But when you see it unfold, it really is a thing of beauty uh, from a performance standpoint. Yeah, these I'm, I'm I'm optimistic. It was a little weird to me that Becky dropped the "I'm going to break your arm" or "I'm going to rip your arm off" line, considering that's Ronda's. Uh, but I, I'm I'm hopeful these two will find good chemistry together. I think Ronda and Nikki had great chemistry. I think Charlotte and Becky have great chemistry. It'll be a chance to see how these two uh, play outside those different sandboxes here. Uh, I know I have yeah. written here on the, the run sheet we're going to talk the Hardy Halloween special. I'm going to save that for just a second. I'm going to save that till the end of the segment. I'm, we talk about guys that are coming back strong. Ty Dillinger uh, is out now. Uh, injured his left hand. He's going to require surgery. There's not really a timetable for his return, unfortunately, right now, as he noted on Twitter. 
Uh, are you a Ty Dillinger fan, Andy? Are you bummed to hear that he's out with in, in, injury right now? Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, anytime he's someone injured, that can really make a difference. And, you know, I know that he's probably not to the point of his career that we'd hope to be at yet with WWE, although he's making tremendous strides. You know, I think that for him, anytime you see an injury and that they're out, um, you know, it's it's a really tough thing to swallow. And, you know, Dillinger, to his credit, you know, is going to utilize it to the best of his advantage, I believe. I think I saw Triple H tweet something, uh, you know, yesterday about, you know, changing the the culture and changing the the landscape of wrestling, uh, you know, in terms of his, I believe, his home area. And, um, you know, I, I hope he has a speedy recovery, man. I, I think that, you know, it, anyone that, that likes seeing someone injured or out or, mm. or has ah. their reasons, I think they need to check themselves at the door because all these guys, I mean, professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you call it, you know, it's these guys are grinders, every single one of them, uh, to go on the road, you know, you you know better than anybody, you know, out in Chicago, sure. you know, that, you know, this this is a 24-7 thing, and it, it takes someone really special to really go the distance, and, um, you know, he'll be back, and uh, I think that, you know, when he comes back, a lot of times you see these guys go back off injury, and they come back better than ever, they get the pops, uh, you know, Seth Rollins comes to mind, Kevin Owens comes to mind, um, a lot of these guys after injury, they they come back hotter than, than anything, so... Mm-hmm. That's what we're hoping for as well. So I hope that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I've always been a Ty Dillinger fan. I think if given the ball, he'll run with it. And uh, I uh, am in the same boat as you in the sense that, uh, you know, sometimes you go away, it makes the heart go, grow fonder. And I, I think that'll yeah, be the case here. I agree. Yeah. Um, let's talk the cruise of Jericho. They just pulled back. Uh, we're recording this uh, late on Wednesday here. I know the boat just pulled into dock. The cruise of Jericho has officially come to an end. Sad sigh. Uh, but. Uh, but uh, Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it sounds like it was a blast from all reports I've seen online. Uh, a couple things that came out. Uh, Cody announced uh, during a Q&A there he's not going to WWE. He promised an all-in two. Uh, the Bucks and uh, Cody also were doing an onstage Q&A and announced that the Elite has left Bullet Club. Um, and the last note I want to bring up, uh, we had a little mole on the boat there, mentioned that there was some really tight security uh, going on during the Alpha Club versus Bullet Club match. Uh, shining... Uh, flashlights in people's uh, cameras, making sure they couldn't get photos of the events. Um, just a lot of uh, tidbits there coming out of the the cruise of Jericho. Um, I, I, you know, I've talked about this last week. I've talked at length about what the future may hold uh, for the Bucks and Cody. But if, but if nothing else, this crown jewel situation, I think, has really exposed how desperate wrestling fans are for something else. And I think that these guys are going to capitalize on it, uh, especially based off the comments they made coming out of the cruise ship. No question about it. Uh, Cody Rhodes, a uh, little side story about Cody, and probably maybe a story that people don't know about. Uh, a few years ago, actually about a year, a little over a year ago now, he came down to Binghamton, New York, which is a really good hotbed for, for pro wrestling. One night Rawls have been there. Uh, WWE comes there a couple times a year. Impact just had a pay-per-view there uh, back in September. So, you know, essentially, uh, Cody Rhodes, you know, had a chance to meet with him, talk with him, interview, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he talked about, the legacy, you know, of the Rhodes family. It is almost if, you know, in a weird way, like in a, you know, kind of a strange way, you know, he almost prefers the, the Indies and it should have had that first career first almost in many ways, because he could have built himself up even more. So like he's doing now, he's almost doing it in reverse, you know, in essence, you know, becoming something on the Indies, you know, and I think it's a, it's an amazing plan, an amazing thing for him you know, that he got his release because, 
you know, he's becoming, you talk about different, he's becoming something different, wholly unique that, you know, yeah, you had the Stardust thing, but it was more of a, you know, let's, let's be honest, it was more of a, um, you know, 80s style gimmick type thing, you know, that they had going on. So uh, I think that, you know, Cody Rhodes and, you know, the Bullet Club, they're, they're really carved out a niche for themselves. And yeah, I would have to agree with that 150% because, you know, the thing about wrestling, change always happens. The business always evolves. Um, and people do love new things. They're, they're waiting, have this thirst and this hunger for a new star. And if Cody, yeah, I think down the line, if he does decide, maybe I'll, I'll step back in WWE, he's going to be way bigger than he ever was before. And, you know, whether you like him or not, that's, he's going to be way bigger. And, you know, people forget that he was a part of the, you know, the Ted DiBiase, uh, you know, that team they had there a few years back and, you know, the whole legacy. The new- Called legacy, yeah. yes. Yeah, I mean, people forget about that, and you know, it's for Cody Rhodes to to be where he's at. I mean, he's putting the work in every single day, and uh, it's been a joy to see. Uh, yeah, I agree. All right, and uh, but I wanted to save the uh, Hardy Halloween special stuff here uh, to the end of this news block because we're about to throw to an interview with the Godfather, who was all over this thing. Um, I I was watching Evolution. I was in such a good mood. I was like, what a great pay-per-view. And then the Hardy uh, and then the Hardy Halloween special came on, and I was like, oh my God, I'm in such a better mood now. This thing has only gotten better for me. I absolutely loved this thing. Uh, were you on the same page, or is this not your cup of tea? I know some people don't kind of like this Broken Universe stuff. Well, it's it's unique. I can say that. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent. Uh, I'm so used to Team Extreme Hardy Boys. You know, in, in my life, that's that was the Lardy boys that I came to love. But obviously, your body can only hold up so much. You can't be doing flips forever, um, you know. But, hey, if they got to do what they got to do to make it work for them and and entertain, then, then so be it. Uh, if that's what they're doing, then I appreciate it. Uh, I think that, yeah, I watched some of their matches that they had out there and, uh, you know, the droids and everything and or the drones, I should say. And uh, it was it was entertaining, but it, it made you think. It made you scratch your head. And I think that's what they want. Yeah, you know, they want you to think about it. They want it to be memorable. And you know, it certainly was memorable. I think, <laughs> I I think they want. I think they want you to have a beer, maybe a couple other things in your system, and sit back, relax, and just kind of enjoy whatever is being given to you. It was just I don't know. It was uh, the these guys. Uh, surrealism. I'm a theater nerd. Surrealism is not a genre I get to see enough of in pro wrestling done well. And uh, this definitely has those uh, qualities to it. Uh, So with that, actually, we're going to take a break here. We're going to wrap up this news block. Andy and I are going to be back at the end of the show. We're going to do a quick preview of Crown Jewel, uh, give our predictions. Uh, But right now, it is time for our interview block this week. Of course, like I said, we're going to kick off here with WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather. Then you're going to hear from Andy talking to Gilberg. And last but not least, me chatting with Impact Wrestling's Taya Valkyrie and Josh Matthews from the Impact Media Call that took place earlier today. I am joined right now for a very special interview here on the Winkly this week. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. You may know him as Kama. You may know him as Papa Shango. You may know him as the Godfather. Or you may know him as his real name, Charles Wright. Charles, thank you very much for coming on to the Winkly this week. Oh, my pleasure, Nick. What's going on, my brother? Well, you know, just trying to settle into this cold Chicago weather here. Uh, you're, you're in, are you in Vegas? Is that right? You know what? I'm in Vegas, and it's a little windy, and my cold and your cold are two different things, but I just had the dogs outside, and I'm like, my God, it's freezing out here, and I said, 
What's it going to be like in Chicago? Oh, it's rough. It's real rough here. Well, I, I'm stoked. I've never gotten the chance to interview you, and I've uh, been such a big fan of yours ever since I was a, a little kid. Um, but uh, before we get why to – Why are you trying to – why are you trying to make me so old? You got to say a little kid. Oh man, I don't know. See here, I'll get to it. I have it later in my I have it later in my questions, but I have to bring it up. One of my fondest memories was you as Kama melting down the Undertaker's urn and turning it Boy. into a and turning it into a chain. It was just like <laughs> so. I mean, like as a little kid, I was like, "That's so badass." This dude is this dude is a, a monster. Can you tell me? Let's just start there. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came came up? Um, it, it's just part of the storyline, you know, of course it wasn't my idea. If it was, I would have never stole it if I'd have known I was going to go in so many caskets and other type of matches with him. But, uh, uh, it was just a storyline at the time, you know, you not... the storyline that we went with. Dude, it's, you, you melted down the man's like remains and turned it into a chain around your neck. You know, I wish I still had that chain. I wish that's one thing. I, I, I don't have that chain. I don't know what happened to it. I, I'm bad about giving things away, but I wish I would have had that chain. But uh, that along with uh, stealing the Undertaker's chain and making the Ultimate Warrior throw up is two things that people always uh, bring up and still remember. Oh, yeah, man. It, that, I don't know what it was about that chain. It was just really spooky there. But, you know, you've always kind of had a, like you say, you bring up Papa Shango, Undertaker. Uh, I'll start here where I know everybody wants to hear us talk about right now. You were on the Hardy Halloween special which was after Evolution, and bravo, that was one of the most fun things I've ever seen on the WWE Network. How did you fall into this? How did you get involved with the Hardys and the Halloween special? All, first I haven't seen it. Was it uh, that was all ad-lib. Nothing was scripted. They kind of just said, okay, uh, do this, do that, and they just let us go, but nothing was really scripted. So I was kind of wondering how it turned out. How did it turn out? Oh my God! I'm so pr- I'm so happy to tell you this. It's very very good. Um, I yeah, I liked it a lot. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I'm gonna try to watch it later on today. <laughs> well, but uh, huh. I mean, I, um, you know, every so often they call me. I'm you know I'm still under a legends contract with them and a merchandise contract with them, and they uh, they tend to call me every now and then for network stuff, and uh, they gave me a call and asked if I'd do it, and I said, oh, I'd love to do it. I, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, what's your relationship like with the Hardys? Were you surprised that they wanted you for this? Have you got, have you always been close with them? Uh, I'm not close with the Hardys, but I'm cool with them. I mean, I didn't. they didn't hang out with me and the girls or nothing, but uh, uh, I'm really cool with them. I've worked against them. Uh, they're good guys, man. They're good guys. Now what? Now what did you think of the Hardy compound? What did you think of that environment they've got down there in uh, Carolinas? Okay, uh, you want me to be completely honest? I guess that you wouldn't want me not to be, right? No, I want you to tell okay. the truth. Yes. First of all, I live in Las Vegas. I got a new puppy here bothering me. Um, I live in Las Vegas, and I had to fly from here to uh, to uh, Raleigh, Durham, and you know this is uh, right after the storms and tornadoes, so humidity was like a hundred percent. And then, so I fly to, to, to Raleigh-Durham, and then you have to take a, uh, uh, they picked me up in a car, and they drove me an hour to Fayetteville, okay? Okay. And then another car picked me up, me and Boogeyman, they picked us up, and we had to drive another hour to their compound. Their compound is so far off the grid 
God bless the men. They got a lot of land. They got beautiful houses. They both live right next door to each other. But it, it's so far off the grid. I just could not believe living like that. I just, uh, nice place, but way off the grid, man. I'm used to big city lights and stuff, man. It's just a little spooky out there. It's a good place to have a Halloween party. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I you know, with the the Las Vegas lights, uh, it's probably hard to see stars some nights. Uh, I would imagine being down there in Camden, you could just see the whole universe laid out in front of you out down there. Uh, you can see a lot out there. You might be able to see Russia. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Russia's up, but anyway, regardless, neither here nor there. No, nah, that's real funny, funny. But a uh, nice place, uh, great, you know, a lot of, lot of history there. Apparently, that's where they learned how to wrestle in that barn. All that was shot inside of a barn. And uh, it, it was fun, man. Really fun. Uh, so I ha- I asked somebody that was on set if I could get something to to ask you that was kind of, that would kept, that would surprise you I knew about, and I was I was told to ask you um, that when Jeff when you ca- when Jeff came out of the water or where you came out of the water and Jeff was itchweed he threw some water on you right yeah now he said I was asked to tell you what was more wet was it more wet having that bucket of water thrown on you or the humidity inside of what they call the dome of deletion or the barn the humidity was so bad and uh i was i wasn't breathing good i was having upper respiratory problems at the time i was fighting bronchitis and that humidity was killing me so much i those guys all the people including boogeyman that we shot that thing all day and they were inside that barn all day i would shoot my part and then i would go inside of uh, matt's house in the air conditioner and just chill out because it was too much for me, man. Uh, way too much. I'm not a big humidity person. That's why I live in Vegas where it's a dry heat. Sure. But, man, it was it was rough, Brad. And, and the girls, oh, I felt so sorry for the girls because they were in there most of the day also. And they were everybody was just, you know, I, I call it beefing, but we'll just say sweating. Okay. Uh, one of the people that was but that's very influential in this, and he's worked with the Hardys a lot on their Broken Universe stuff, uh, was Jeremy Borash. Now, have you ever worked with Jeremy Borash before? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. It was it was fun. Yeah, tell me a little All bit about working guys with him. For, yeah. Huh? I, I just was going to say, tell me a little bit about working with JB. I'm interested to hear about him in that environment. Uh, just very excited. Uh, wanted to get things done. Had a lot of ideas. Gave us a lot of creativity to do what we wanted to do. And he kind of just gave us an idea, especially with me. Like, uh, I'm not really sure what you would say in this instance and stuff. So they uh, just, you know, he gave us that lead and we went with it. Just a a real professional, good guy to work with. I wish I could have worked with him as the Godfather back in the day more. (laughs) Man. So wait, is, is Godfather, is that your favorite persona of all the personas that you've had? Godfather. And I'll say this every time. I don't know if Charles Wright is the Godfather or the or the other way around, man. Uh, it's the same person. The, that Godfather character you see is just me being me, and that's what was so cool about it is like they weren't trying to make me a. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, um, my problem when Vince hired me is Vince said you have the body of a monster, but you have a baby face. Mm. He said, so we're going to send you home. We're going to put you on payroll until we come up with something. And then that's when they came up with Papa Shango. And because he says, we have to do something with your face. And so, uh, you know, it, 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 it was it, 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 it's pretty good being that. But it was finally good to just be myself. 
and not be a monster, not be a supreme fight machine, not be a whatever else I was, but to just be myself and have fun. And that's why I think the Godfather gimmick got over so well, because it was just me being me. And so you, am I right? Do you run a gentleman's club out of Vegas currently? Yes, I do. It's called Cheetahs in Las Vegas here. I thought so. I'm the the general manager of the place. Man, good for you. Uh, Now, with that, I I guess it's kind of interesting because, you know, there's like this women's revolution going on in WWE right now. Like, how do you think the Godfather character kind of fits into the the current landscape? It seems a little like, I don't know. They're too too, uh, PC now. There's no way that you could. I can tell you one thing. There might be a lot of characters reproduced as other people and but you'll never ever see another godfather in the form that i was in i can guarantee you that he wouldn't fit in at all he's just uh that was the attitude there when we were uh allowed to be ourselves and it's just way too i mean you couldn't have if you had a nation of domination now they'd probably be baby faces well, yeah, I mean, I wonder, I mean, there's so much, you've done so much stuff that I've enjoyed over the years, Charles. Like, yeah, Nation Dominations, DOA, Los Bariquas was like another feud that I, I grew up watching and was just like riveted by. But you go watch it now kind of through the new lens and it's like, I, I don't know, it kind of seems like you guys were doing a race war played out in pro wrestling, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, Vince was, you know, Vince was, but... uh Today, just imagine if you tried to do that today. Yeah. My God, how much heat he would take for trying to do something like that. And I watched some old clips of the nation back in the day, and people, you know, people hated us. I mean, they really hated us. And like I said, I think if you did it today, you'd be baby faces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys just had so much personality. Obviously, you... The Rock, uh, you know, Farouk, you know, there was, you know, uh, D'Lo, Mark, I guess everybody. There's a lot of personality there. Um, right, uh, right. You, you know, and then with DOA, uh, just, I don't know, bikers, uh, Los Bariquas, it was it was such an interesting dynamic You, you want to there. hear a fun story about the DOA? Please, yes. I had to teach all of them guys how to ride motorcycles. None of them knew how to ride a Harley. Really? And really, I'm telling you. And so I had to go out there and teach them how to ride Harleys. And then uh, one day, I, I, I was, believe it or not, I, I, most of my life I've been more of a biker cowboy than anything, more than, than, a, than a godfather. Okay. And I've always rode Harleys all my life. And so uh, we, I was teaching them how to ride it one day. And so I, I blocked one off against the wall and I, I started spinning, doing a burnout with the front wheel up against the wall. And I had it all the way in fifth gear, just winding this thing up, making all type of smoke and all type of noise. And all of a sudden Vince appears and Vince says, Charles, would you do that to your bike? And I said, Oh, actually, no, I wouldn't. He said, well, Charles, why are you doing that to my bike? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so but, so yeah, Vince is. A... I actually had to teach those guys how to ride motorcycles. Wow. Uh, what kind? Of, how were the? How was y'all's relationship? What was the the NOD uh, DOA Los Bariquas relationship like backstage? Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure you've heard about BSK. Oh, sure. Yeah, Bones. Well, Sabio was BSK, so I mean that that says it all right there. I, I I'm pretty much was friends with everybody. I didn't have any enemies. I. Uh, I was friends with everybody. Yeah. And uh, 
including DOA and Los Buicos and everybody. I didn't have no problems. It was, it was, you know, I had no problems with anybody. It was, it's just, so, I mean, again, it's like you watch it back now and you're right. It's like, how could you even get away with this right now? And I mean, you're in that bubble in that moment. I mean, are you talking like, let's push this further? I mean, the, the a race war is not something I think people would be comfortable playing out in current pro wrestling. No, no. We were just doing our thing, man. I just, and it's funny now because you look back at it now and you're like, wow, you couldn't get away with that today. But yeah. back then we were just doing our job the best we could. Yeah. And nobody was thinking about race wars or, or how it looked or being PC, man. We were just having fun. We were just having fun. At least I was. Do you think that's missing from the product now? I mean, do you think people are too restrained in what they're allowed to do in WWE? Yeah, well, you know, people change, brother. People change. And if if Vince is changing, he's changing for a reason. But it was a different time. I think we, and we especially me and DX, I think we involved the audience a lot more. And we were part of the people more than they are now. And everybody's kind of got their little stick and, um, I watched the show a little bit. I don't really follow it that much, but just because I'm busy and I don't watch much TV as it is, but uh, just just a different time, different game. Uh, I, I liked it much better during the, uh, the Attitude Era was so fun and it was so popular that that that'll be hard to match ever. Um, you brought up DX. I, I'd be remiss. I, I love Sean Waltman, but when you guys are saying you're doing your thing and you're having fun, uh, I mean, he 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 basically did. I mean, he did. He not basically. He did blackface uh, on Monday Night Raw. What what was your take on that? I thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought uh, the funniest one. Who was uh, Mark Henry? Was that Sean? The Sean was Mark. Yeah, Sean was no, Mark Sean Henry. Was Delos. Sean was who was who was Delo? Oh no, Delo was. Wait, okay. I think it was uh, uh, Road Dog. Road Dog, yes. And was I thought Sean was Dila or Sean was Mark, right? Or no, am I wrong? Sean was Mark because yeah. I remember Hunter made uh, a, a statement about how did you get your lats to go all the way around your back. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But uh, it, dude, we didn't take it that way. It was just us having fun. And you look back at it now, and you're like, wow, they, that would never go across the over today, but. Back then, we were just doing our thing, man. Nobody was thinking it being racist or racial, or we didn't think that way, man. We were just having fun. Uh, I want to, I want to ask you about the Rock real fast. You know, he did the Die Rocky Die promo when he was in the Nation of Domination, and that, I mean, was such a big moment in his career, and I think kind of a turning of the tide uh, for the company as well. Um, when did you get the vibe that he was going to kind of become what he's become? Vince pulled me and Ron Simmons into the, his office and he says, uh, do you guys know who, or, you know, Rocky is or Dwayne is? And I didn't know who he was. And I guess he came in as Rocky, my V at first and Ron knew who he was. Mm-hmm. He says, well, he says, I'm going to put this kid in the nation. And I swear, this is what Vince said. Vince says, I'm going to make this kid the biggest thing wrestling has ever seen. And that's what he told us right then. And then he says, well, I need your help. He said, I tried to make him one thing. He goes, this time I'm going to make him something else. And I'm going to put him in the nation. And he said, once I get people to hate this kid, he goes, when I turn them, they're going to love him. And he was right. Wow. The Rock was a super cool dude, man. Uh, Nothing but respect for the guy. Uh, If anybody 
ever deserved the fame that he has. It's him, man, because he's actually a good dude. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Did he did did they say anything else about what they? I don't know. Did he have any other ideas about what he wanted to do with the Rock? How they wanted to get him hated? Anything like that? Uh, no, no, no. We, that, he didn't hit us with that. He just, you know, if, if anything, he might have talked to Ron. Maybe Ron and uh, Rocky might have talked about it. But no. I mean, like I said, man, we just went with things back then. We didn't. You didn't complain. You didn't argue. You didn't worry about. You just did your job and you did it the best you could. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's uh, at least I did. Yeah. No, you. Did. I mean, that's the thing is, you know. Again, I was doing. I was just looking back, and you know, all, all the characters and stuff. You know, even the Good Father. You know, I was like, oh, that's right. Uh, I was like, oh, I hated that. Tell I me. hated that one. Now, yeah, because that's the opposite of of Godfather. Tell me a little bit about what it was like being put in the shoes of the Good Father. Well, first of all, Vince was taking so much heat. When Vince went public and they got out of that, they got off of the, uh, the the cable network and they got onto the network and he went public, things changed. And then different people were looking at us and Vince fought for me and he Vince used to tell me, Charles, I'm fighting for you, brother. I'm fighting for you. But one of the things that the uh, networks hated besides DX was the Godfather. And they had a major problem with me and the things that I was saying and the things that I was doing. And it got to the point where I could only be on Saturday after 10 o'clock at night. I couldn't say this. I couldn't say that. I couldn't call the girls this. I couldn't mention this. And it became just Godfather light to where finally Vince came to me and said, Hey, I don't even remember the name of the organization that was really boycotting us bad. It was, but he made a runoff of it. I think he called it, you know, the RTC. I think it was the PTA something. Mm-hmm. But uh, he goes, I'm going to put you in this group for a while, and we're going to poke fun at him. Well, uh, that was the worst news I ever heard in my life. I almost quit over it because I went from just enjoying my job, having fun. I know it's a work, but I was just having the time of my life. And to take that away from me and make me the good father, I took it personally. And I tried to do the best job I could, but I hated it. I mean, it was not a happy time. I became the old mean bear again, and I really disliked doing it. Well, you use uh, you say mean bear. I know that you told me that's a, a nickname. I've heard that's a nickname of yours, bear. Tell me what is what is mean bear? What's the difference between that and then when you're in a good mood? Bear was when I when I played football in college. I was they called me bear. Most people in Vegas, believe it or not, even at my age, still call me bear. And I kind of got this reputation for being this bear. And when you kind of made this bear guy mad, he would attack you like a bear. And he had the strength of a bear. So, um, but bear was not a nice bear. Was bear was a more mean person. Yeah. He was he was kind of mean yeah. and really tough and mean. And uh, my wife today had a lot to do with changing that mean person and making me a lot nicer person. <laughs> Teddy bear, right? It's different now. I'm, a, I'm not. I, I don't even call myself bear. I just <laughs> I introduce myself as Charles, and uh, people hear me being called bear, and then they'll start calling me bear. So I don't fight it no more. I just let people call me bear. More people in Vegas know me as bear than Godfather. Do people come to Vegas just to hang out with you at Cheetahs? Yes, they do. Um, <laughs> They come all the time. We have it advertised on the website on Fridays and Saturdays that if I am in town, then uh, for I, I'll be down at the club from 10 to 2. 
And most of that time, because I do my, my work during the week, most of the time I'm just t- down there taking pictures and hanging out with people and telling stories and lies. <laughs> wow. That sounds awesome. Uh, well, I got to touch on it real quick. You know, you talked about with the good father, how when Vince went public, things changed and there was a different eye on him. Are you, I'll, I'll call it the elephant in the room. Are you surprised they're still going to Saudi Arabia? I'm sure that's a story you have to have heard about. Um, I'm surprised they're going with the way that, you know, everybody's so PC these days and how the media is and everything and how everybody gets attacked for having your own opinions. But, uh, I'm surprised they're going. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, it's a it is a little interesting. It'll be a interesting Friday show for sure. I mean, they are going right. When is it? It's coming up soon, isn't it? It's Friday. It's in like seventy two hours. Well, then I guess that they're going. Oh, they're going. I'm, uh, a, little, I'm a little surprised, but you know, hey. Yeah. Vince knows. Vince is a smart man. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Well, I mean, John Cena. Uh, the the you know the word on the street for the last week or so was that he was not going to go. And then Monday night, they pulled the trigger and replaced him with Bobby Lashley. John Cena's not going now. I mean, are you surprised by that? Um, you'd have to talk to John Cena and see what his reasons are for not going. I mean, yeah. uh, no, not like I said, not the way that these millennials are and the younger people. No, I'm not surprised. You know, I'm, you a, know? I'm 33, but I'm an old millennial. So I will take a little offense to that, right? <laughs> I'm sitting here. Well, I'm. Yeah. I I am I am not a millennial at all, so yeah. I'm kind of old school. Well, I'm you're going to be mixing it up here with a couple millennials because you're coming to Chicago. Oh, I didn't I, I didn't say that I can't hang with millennials because I'm still <laughs> young at heart. I just we have a lot of different views on stuff. I'm sure but, there's a uh, lot of millennials coming out to Cheetahs to come hang out with you. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. But they always hit me with the. I was a kid. I'm like, oh, don't start there. That's how I started. So I, <laughs> you know, and, and then I get and then the, the people that are 35 to you know older might remember Papa Shango, but most of the people, it's Godfather. And I was in high school, and I was in junior high school, and I got in trouble for wearing a Pepin Ain't Easy shirt, and I hear all those stories, man, and they didn't even know what the whole train was, but they're going to school telling girls, that they need to get on the whole train. <laughs> uh, well, I'm stoked. You're going to come here in my backyard of Chicago. Uh, we're doing the Godfather Chicago WWE Survivor Series viewing party. Uh, November 18th, I believe, is Survivor Series. We're going to be doing it Duffy's Bar and Tavern, or Duffy's Grill, Tavern and Grill. That's what it is. Duffy's Tavern I think and Grill. It's Duffy's Tavern and Grill. Yes, it is. I've done several events there. I should have got it right. You're much more point than me. Uh, it's at 420 West Diversity here in Chicago, Illinois. And this is going to be a chance for you to get to see some fans here in Chicago. It's going to be a chance for you to to talk about the show. Uh, I went and looked up your Survivor Series history, and uh, we had the Nation of Domination, 97, taking on Ken Shamrock, Amen Johnson, and the Legion of Doom, which I remember. Uh, uh-huh. And then in 99, uh, with D-Lo, you took on, and the Headbangers took on the Acolytes and the Dudleys. Uh, any fond memories of either of those bouts? Oh, no, man. I... You know, people don't realize you have. I probably wrestled those same matches a hundred times, <laughs> and you wrestle so many people. People always ask me. Now, this is just me, but people always ask me, "What was your favorite match?" and "What was this?" and I'm like, guys, I can't give you a favorite match. What I can give you is my favorite match. Maybe against if you give me a name against that that other wrestler. I said, but they're all fun, man. I had so much fun and enjoyed myself so much there that. 
Dude, I, every day was a party and, and, and a fun time for me, and it still is. I'm still living my life that way. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, well, come on out, guys. You get the tickets over on Eventbrite. It's the Godfather Chicago WWE Survivor Series viewing party. Tickets start at 20 bucks, and uh, we're going to have a blast. Um, and, again, it is Survivor Series. Uh, the first big a match that's been announced for Survivor Series is Becky Lynch is taking on Ronda Rousey, champion versus champion. Uh, we'll close it out. You're talking about those parties. Uh, you, you, we've got the girls in the back. Did you think it would get to this point where the first big match announced for WWE pay-per-view, a marquee bout, is women's wrestling? Um, I would have never figured so. No, no, because when I was there, they were just starting the divas in the in the women's wrestling. It was at the ground floor, so no, that wasn't a part. When I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised though. I mean, people change and people's interests change. So good for them. Good for the girls. All right. Thank you very much again, Charles. And uh, I'll see you here for Survivor Series in Chicago. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. All right. Take care. All right. It is time. Big time wrestling here in Painted Post, New York. The man, the icon, Gilbert. Ah, what's right up, here. man? How you doing? <laughs> Good to see you, man. Good to see you. And tonight, big time wrestling. You know, there's going to be some great action tonight. Talk oh, to us about man. this event. BTW is the best, man. It's a charity for a fire department, too, and everything. It's, it's just a great, great feeling. The atmosphere is awesome in here, and BTW always has great shows. You know that. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic night. Well, for WrestlingInc.com, we got you a couple quick questions here right now. Is is this right here? How did the Gilbert gimmick start? I mean, obviously, it's well known and remembered from the Attitude Era. I actually was doing it on the Independence. Me and a buddy came up with it, and we were making fun. We did the Underfaker. We did Stone Old, and then we did Gilbert. And I was talking. Talking to Paul Bear and Kane back, you know, in the locker room one night, and Paul Bear goes, "Oh, oh, Dwayne Gill, you may have something there, boy." <laughs> and next thing I know, the office is calling me, telling me, "Bring your Gilbert stuff. You're going to be Gilbert." Wow. And it was supposed to be one time. Mm -hmm. And of course, you see, it didn't have one time. <laughs> it blew up. We're here tonight, here at Painted Post, and, and Gilbert. I mean, did Goldberg ever? confront you about it? Did you ever hear about I, it? Did you guys I, face I, I met Goldberg twice. One time he told me he hated my guts. I got an ass kicking coming. About five years later I met him and he was super cool and understood and everything, you know. So, yeah, he's really cool about everything now. Yeah. Do you think what would happen to the Gilbert versus Goldberg classic in a match? I would love to see it. I would love to do it. I would love to do it because it has to happen if it you does. think about it. it you got to you gotta have closure and that way you can kill the Gilbert thing or the Goldberg thing if I just happen <laughs> to beat you, Bill. <laughs> and your sparklers. That idea was, was priceless. Sparklers and fire extinguishers when he came out. That That's uh, WWF did that. WWF did that, came up with that, and that's yeah. how that happened. And uh, just a couple more quick questions here. Gilbert for WrestlingInc.com. Is this right here? Is, you know, people forget that you were an enhancement talent in the early 90s. Wrestled The Undertaker, Kamala, guys oh, like yeah, that. Um, you know, how did that happen for you? And then obviously, you know, just the appreciation of the business to get to the point you were at. Does that increase over time after being enhancement talent? I, I, I no, no, no. I, let's explain one thing. Enhancement talent to me was, I wasn't enhancement talent. I was a wrestler in the WWF. Right. Yeah, I remember I was a fan. I loved it. And that's all I wanted to be is a wrestler in the WWF. Mm. I was a wrestler in the WWF. Mm. So enhancement doesn't matter to me. Right. I was, right I was there wrestling the best there was in the best place there was to wrestle every night. 
-hmm. How can you be disappointed in that? Yeah. You know, I was a I was a fan who got his dream fulfilled, buddy. That's the only way I can say it. Yeah, you got the title belt right right here. This is the right official there, belt, right? right? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's it. I got it with me. Yeah. Still to this day. What was that experience like within that? Yeah, I cried. I ain't gonna lie to you. I went right in Vince's office afterwards and cried. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was everything to me. Yeah. It, uh, know, wrestling is what it is, but to me, it's my life. Yeah. You know? And being a part of the Attitude Era, uh, many consider it the greatest era ever. I mean, how sweet was that? It was awesome. It was the best time, man. It was so much fun. I mean, it was just the best. You watched it. I'm sure you watched yeah. it. So, yeah. you know, it was the best time in the world with the best people in the world. Yeah. They, they were the kindest, nicest, the whole locker room that you could ever imagine. Yeah. It's way different than you would ever imagine. And your future is very bright. Continue to do big events, fundraisers. Uh, what's next for you? Just do the deal, brother. Yeah. You know, just keep <laughs> on going and hope and pray. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I, I can see it now. I can hear it now. Gilbert. Oh, you know it. Gilbert. But we need a Gilbert action figure. Yeah. Brother, I'm the seventh longest reigning champion in the history of WWF and WWE. Right. And I don't have an action figure. Really? We need a Gilbert. We need a dinner on this. Ringsidecollectibles.com. You know. Together, Gilbert Goldberg box set. Tell me, yeah. is that not perfect? We need this to happen. We you know it, brother. You know what we need, Gilbert? Let's get this title belt in here. Let's show it off real quick. Let's show it off real quick. WrestlingInc.com. This is the official right there, championship. There it, <laughs> there it is. The light heavyweight champion of all yes, time. Yes, sir. You got it. <laughs>
um, like we saw, wasn't a surprise. It was, okay, this is what 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock looks like, um, you know, but it's that key, dem- key demo number. And, you know, again, I, like I said, I'll say the same thing I said last week. I don't know what night of the week my favorite shows are on because I watch everything on Hulu and I watch everything on Netflix. Uh, you know, at this point I'm 38 with a kid. So, so we don't have the luxury of sitting down when, when our shows are on, we, we watch them when we can. So I think that in 2018, that's the way people have to watch impact and, you know, 10 uh, PM, uh, you know, every Thursday uh, from here for the rest of the year um, and, and, and so on. Uh, you know, that's what that, that's what our time slot looks like. There hasn't been any talk of changing that based on uh, one week from last week. And also whenever a show changes uh, any show, even if it changes from seven to eight or eight to nine, um, or backwards, um, you're going to see a drop because of just the, the the trending, the way that people watch their shows. They forget, they don't update their DVR, and, and that number is always affected. When we switched um, SmackDown, you know, it, uh, when I was there, we, you know, SmackDown switched three or four times, and and that first week always took a big hit. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, thank you guys very much for the time. Hey Nick. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Ross? Well, you didn't have a question for me, so I got a question for you. Oh, God. I'm going to call you out in front of uh, Taya. How far is Johnny Impact going to go on Survivor? Now, I've already <laughs> – I don't know what she – I'm sure there's been bedside manner conversations or whatever, but here's my theory, all right? I think he's going to make it at least to the merge, and the reason I say that is because he's too valuable when it comes to uh, challenges and just general – like uh, camp morale, which has been a big factor this season, if you're watching it. Like, camp jo- morale, and he looks really hot. Okay? Come on. Yes. So I think he makes it <laughs> at least to the merge, right? Now, I think that he's probably going to surprise folks. I'm pinning him in the top four, personally. I think him and Christian are a dangerous alliance together, uh, brains and brawn combined. Uh, so I, I'm, I think he's going to do well. Final four, huh? Secrecy, so I can't say anything at all. Yeah, I don't want to hear what Taya has to say. She knows too much, but that's what I—that's what I think is going to happen. All right, Andy, this is the uh, end of the show. Chance for us to relax uh, and and kick back a bit, you know. How about Gilbert, though, man? He was he was something else. <laughs> Look, I mean, well, Dwayne Gill has been a anyway. Gilbert conversation for another day. I don't have I don't have you that much longer. We got to talk Crown Jewel. Uh, Crown Jewel. There are five things announced. Of course, the tournament is going to be seven matches. Um, let's start with the tournament. Um, the, the big thing, obviously, SmackDown Superstars are going to get fired in the finals if they lose. Any predictions on who you think is going to come out on top? Any Anything else about the tournament? Well, I think that, uh, you know, this buildup for Kurt Angle has been tremendous right now. Uh, I think he's got a lot of steam going into this thing. You know, they did the whole, you know, uh, Baron Corbin, uh, GM, Conquistador deal. You already won the Battle Royal to qualify. You know, it's really been a it's been a unique storyline with that. And and obviously at this point, too, with, with the stipulation of the SmackDown superstar going to Raw, that changes so much. And, you know, WWE at this time with, with Roman Reigns out now, with John Cena not really full-time, you know, you can kind of see maybe a Mysterio or an Orton going into that final and then going over to Raw, becoming that big star again uh, over there to help to help right that ship because right now the star power is it's tough right now. I mean, I, you know, the, the old members of the Shield, Rollins and Ambrose, are doing everything they possibly can to, to generate interest. But uh, I, personally, I'd like to see Angle. I, I'd like to see Kurt Angle come out on top and 
you know, he obviously is, you know, getting to the the end of the last year of his in-ring career. So uh, that would be have to be my my pick. But I again, it's it's a, it's a stacked bracket where anybody can win it. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think Kurt would be a wonderful winner here. Obviously, very well spoken, respected. I think he'd be a great guy. I, th- I could see Jeff Hardy losing in the finals. Uh, and uh, just because it seems like he's always kind of banged up, you know, might be a reason to give him some time to heal. Um, mm-hmm. But who knows? Uh, let's talk a bit about here about AJ Styles Samojo hastily put together because of the circumstances. Um, part of me thinks this is just going to be another uh, win here for AJ on to the next thing. But part of me also thinks that, you know, they might. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> Samoa Joe stepped up in a very uncomfortable position for them and is is going to go do this thing. And traditionally, and I, I shouldn't say traditionally, but I would say it does seem to be something with WWE where they would reward somebody for doing something like that in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, Samoa Joe, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw his uh, his special, the, the, the 24 special on the network. Uh, excellent. Well done. I mean, this guy, even being in the game as long as he has, is as determined as ever to be the best he can possibly be. And that's what separates Joe. You know, it's always separated Joe, that they've been willing to have the matches that they have and AJ right there with them, you know, throughout their their days and, and impact and, you know, and then the indies and then back down to 10XT. Obviously, you know, AJ Styles is as big a star as any in the industry right now. And Samoa Joe, I love the way he approaches things. I, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if he said, you know what, I'll do it, no problem, you know, because uh, that's the kind of guy he is. You know, he, he wants, I think, deep down, he's an ultra competitor, but also deep down, he wants what's best, you know, to move this whole thing forward. And if that helps move the thing forward, then then let it play out. And I think Samoa Joe, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I'm on the same wavelength with you, man. I, I think that, you know, right now it's 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 anybody's match. I mean, Samoa Joe could beat anybody. So, yeah. and also yeah. AJ Styles, I mean, he's a champ for a reason. Uh, we do have the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the, the bar defending against the New Day. I don't really think we need to touch on this too much. I could very easily see them flipping the, the titles back onto the New Day here just to have some kind of title change on the show, like what they did at uh, Super Showdown. I, remember, I, I always point back to that report I heard a while back about how WWE was looking to have the New Day uh, hold the tag titles more than any other tag team in history. And so I think this could be a, a step for them in that direction. Um, Triple H, Shawn Michaels versus uh, Undertaker Kane, Brothers of Destruction versus DX. Um, I hope, I don't know, man, that Super Showdown match between Taker and Trips was a rough watch for me. Uh, I, uh, I, I hope, I hope, I hope they go out there and do a good show and do not try to push themselves any further than they need to. I'll say that. Yeah, this, I think strictly this one here, just straight up novelty match that it's kind of like the, the whole, like, oh, what would happen if these, these teams clashed and, and that type of thing, the old school build up and, you know, Shawn Michaels and, and Triple H, you know, the crazy thing about it, these guys, you know, are still cutting promos in the ring that are probably, you know, better than anybody else's to this at this point. You know, even even you got guys who are there every single night. But it just goes to show you that those performers that were brought up a different way, they're going to perform a different way. Agreed. Lastly, here Brock Lesnar taking on Braun Strowman. Roman Reigns, of course, uh, unfortunately, no longer in this bout. Had to vacate the Universal Championship to go battle leukemia. Um, it does seem time to coronate Braun Strowman. I hope they try to make a star here with Braun. He was. So over winning the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia, I'm sure they would give him a very warm response here, and Brock can go off and do UFC things. Um, do you think I'm nuts? Is that too simple for you, Andy? No, 
No, I, I think honestly that's that's probably the the highest percentage move, so to speak. You know, here's a guy who's been there every week. Lesnar's there when when he is. And, uh, you know, I, I think Braun Strowman getting these hands, man, those hands will be raised. After- <laughs> They're going to be raised. I hope so. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Winkley. Thank you to Godfather, Gilbert, Taya Valkyrie, Jesse Collins. Uh, Andy, where can you send people online to find you, follow you, and all that? Yeah, thanks, Nick. Check me out on, on Twitter. I'm 18 Sports Andy. Check me out there. Also, follow everything on WrestlingInc.com. A lot of our great interviews are going to be on there, and, and all your work as well, Nick. And this is a great team effort for everybody, and I want to give you the best news every single day. Absolutely, yes. Uh, it is a team effort. Go to Wrestling Inc. every single day. Uh, we've got all your news going into Crown Jewel. Uh, of course, next week, we're going to be starting the Hype 2 uh, Survivor Series, which I'm very excited about. And, of course, if you like that Godfather interview, like I, like I mentioned in it, we are holding the Godfather's official Chicago WWE Survivor Series viewing party, Duffy's Tavern and Grill. Go online, buy your tickets, watch Survivor Series with me, the Godfather, all your wrestling Inc. friends and fans. And I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you again. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.